G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, we like to catch up with Greg Bondar. Greg is the National Director of Christian Voice Australia. It's a national think tank and advocacy group for families, for liberty and for faith. Greg Bondar, a special welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Delighted to be with you again. <laughs> hey, Greg, um, let's start with one. We'll get on to those ones I've mentioned uh, in just a few moments. But there's one that's come to light, which might be of interest to some listeners. Uh, currently, there's a petition by the LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQI uh, people uh, to the government requesting their surgeries are paid for by Medicare. In fact, fully funded by Medicare. You've been following this along a little, and there's a, like a counter petition going as well. So, what's happening in the to and fro here? Yeah, now that's a very interesting topic because this is nothing new. If you go back now to October 2021, there was a similar petition, uh, petition number EN3307, and it was called Gender Affirming Surgery Should Be Covered by Medicare. Now, that was done in, as I said, 2021. And at that time, there was a petition saying, that, you know, uh, transgender people and other people in need of gender-affirming surgery have to pay their own way. They want it covered by Medicare. Now, interestingly enough, that uh, the minister did reply at the time, who was Greg Hunt, and that, uh, that reply was on the 23rd of December 2021, where he said, yeah, okay, we can't have everything covered by Medicare. There are a certain range of surgical procedures that are covered, but we can't cover them all. Now, Neil, when I tell you the cost of some of these surgeries, you'll, you'll absolutely flip when I tell you what it costs to have some of these gender-reaffirming surgeries undertaken. <laughs> have you got those figures in front of you, Greg? I certainly do, Neil. Now, listen to this. So if you want a gender-reaffirming surgery, it can cost anywhere between Twenty to more than a hundred thousand dollars. If you want a FTM surgery, which is female to male surgery, that can be between ten to twenty thousand dollars. Now these people are now expecting us, the taxpayer, the mum and dads of Australia, to fund all these, you know, uh, agenda of confirming surgeries. Now, no, that's not on because there are far more other medical needs. That, 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 are, that should be covered by Medicare instead of these sort of sometimes Ill, ill-chosen decisions to have your body changed to another uh, uh, sex, so to speak. So, Neil, Just the cost to... is outrageous. <laughs> And I think that, that, you know, it's something that we really need to be looking at. <clears throat> to dwell on this just for a moment, Greg, because we might assume that Medicare would fully fund the health care of every Australian. And uh, even the people who are a part of the LGBTQI community are a part of the welfare of every Australian. But I guess here the ethics come into a personal decision to enter into a lifelong medicalization because as i understand it greg it's not just 
what happens with the cost of initial surgeries, but it's what mm. goes on for the rest of an entire life. That's the thing that might be a concern here, because as soon as you make this commitment, and you might hope that our healthcare system covers every Australian and every contingency, but this is sort of a voluntarily entered into a decision that you're going to be under medicalisation for the rest of your life. That, that's yeah. the concern here, isn't it? It, it actually is now because you see what's happening here is that people are getting these surgeries to have their outward appearance match how they truly feel on the inside. So they say the problem we've got is that some of these surgery uh, now can take between two to, uh, uh, to, to three or four years before they actually become effective. So imagine the, the Medicare bills that would be raked up in that period of time. Now, I'm all for Medicare covering all Australians. But it all depends on what it's for. Now, there are a lot of other issues that you know, people aren't covered for. For example, my wife's a diabetic and, and she has to buy her uh, the, the needle. But you know what? There's, there's no relief for her as such. And yet if you're a drug addict, you get relief for these things. So there are all sorts of anomalies now. But in this particular instance, I think there is no real justification for having the Australian public fund the surgeries, which are elective, really, are... Uh, uh, you know, to, to, to ensure that, that they feel good. So, you know, Medicare should not be involved in this. And as Greg Hunt replied in uh, 2021, you know, there are certain things that are covered, but this cannot be the case um, as it is now. So I'm all for people signing the, the petition that says, let's oppose Medicare covering transgender surgery. So, Neil, you know, totally support the person that's undertaking the petition. And I've already signed it, by the way, Neil. And interestingly, as I've occasionally said when a conversation like this comes up, uh, in some sense here, the LGBTQI community has a friend in Christians who'll speak up because this lifelong medicalization mm. creates such trauma for the whole life of a person, and uh, especially when it comes to not only adults, but we know that there are minors, there are young teenagers who are wanting to yep. enter into all of this. I mean, the Christian community is the only community speaking up saying, no, don't do this. Uh, for the good of the LGBTQI community, this is really a very bad path. Anyway, we can move on from that, but mm. we'll, we'll monitor that along. Uh, there is... Yep. There's a, there's a petition. Is there a is there a link anywhere on your website that listeners might be able to link Not to that commission? Not on my website, but they can certainly go to the um, government website. The petition is EN5135, which says gender-affirming care should not be covered by Medicare. So Google petition EN5135, Neil. EN5135 for listeners uh, who might just want to show some concern there. Greg Bond, uh, there's an inquiry going on into the impacts of online gambling. You've been following along some of these things too, and you've met with uh, the independent uh, MP Andrew Wilkie. What's, what's happening with gambling reform? Yeah, look, I happened to be in Canberra last Monday, Neil, and I spoke to Andrew Wilkie about the uh, concern we have about it a gambling, the advertisements on TV. And we spoke about this the other day, Neil. Uh, the, 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 deal, the, the deal is that the House of Representatives Standing Committee on Social Policy and Legal Affairs, which is an inquiry it's completed now, is going to release its impact of gambling uh, and its impact on people with gambling problems. Now, that'll be released hopefully this week. So we need to be aware of what that committee is going to recommend because, you know, a lot of people, a lot of MPs, 
have asked. In particular, you know, as I said, Andrew Wilkie, and then you've got uh, uh, Rebecca Sharkey, who's also put up a bill. Uh, what we're asking, for, you know, is for people to keep an eye out for this because we want gambling advertisements banned on TV uh, just as they've done with alcohol, just as they've done with cigarettes and what have you. Neil, this is a damaging impact, so keep your eye out this week because you and I both know, Neil, 1 Timothy 6.1 tells you that gambling, not you know, the love of money, not money itself, is the root of all evil and we've got to make sure that we take gambling out of the family home and make, make sure that the government's recommendation is going to be a good one for us to follow. Otherwise, we'll need to take action. One of those things, isn't it, uh, that while there's not a lot of detail when you're searching the scriptures around the issue of gambling, those ones that come mm. around the love of money, uh, the promise of quick and easy riches, those sorts of mm. things, there is real wisdom in scripture and when you recognise that gambling crushes families, it just breaks yeah. families apart, you know, the family that is on a track to save for its future and mm. uh, to leave an inheritance to the kids, sometimes that just evaporates when someone mm. has a gambling problem. So, uh, of course, a lot of people can seek help for gambling addiction. Hey, let's turn our attention overseas, Greg. A suburban school district in Utah in the United States well, this one's significant because they've decided to ban the Bible. Uh, they, they, banning the Bible in school is one thing, banning prayer, those sorts of things, but now a ban on the Bible? What's happening there? Look, Neil, this is absolutely outrageous. I mean, at a school in Utah that had one parent, not two, not three, one parent complained that the King James Bible had material that was unsuitable for children. For goodness sake, go and have a look at all the LGBTIQA, transgender, drag queen books that are in the library. They're not removed, but the Bible has been removed in a particular school in Utah. Now, the good news is, Neil, that the Bibles will now be returned after very much um, uh, a protest by the, the parent. But this is the, one, this is the fact I want to try and uh, point out to you, that the decision to return the Bibles to the uh, school libraries was based on an assessment of community standards. The appeal committee determined that the Bible, now listen to this, Neil, it was determined that the Bible has significant, serious value for minors. Well, of course it does. And it says it outweighs the violent and vulgar content it contains. Now, that is, that is absolutely incorrect, Neil, because the violence is always, always, you know, is opposed in the Bible, and I've got verses galore to show you, but the issue here is that it's always taken out of context, Neil, when I talk about violence and vulgarity, so we've got to be very careful. But the good news is we've had a win. The Bibles are back now in the library shelves, Neil. Good stuff. Let's turn our attention, uh, remaining overseas, this time to Scotland and a Gender Recognition Reform Act that you've been following along, Greg. What's happening in Scotland? Now, Neil, this has a lot of implication for us here in Australia, but in particular, Neil, if you, look, if, if you think about the role of government and you think about democracy and you think about the people having a say, uh, this sheds a light on the fact that governments can be very much totalitarian in the sense that despite polling demonstrating that the majority of Scottish residents were opposed to the government's proposal to make the process of self-identification easier 
and to lower the age at which people can identify as the opposite gender, the Scottish government went ahead anyway and voted in favour of these measures. So now, where do the people stand in terms of having elected representatives speak on their behalf? Well, when you've got those sorts of bills, uh, you must, I guess, always think, and from your Christian viewpoint, uh, on the well-being of families, of women, of children. I imagine that's where you draw a line here and uh, make sense of what's been going on. Well, no, exactly. And you know what's happening in Queensland with your recent legislation about identifying as what you will, you know, how you feel. And there's a lot of problems with the Queensland bill as well. Uh, but that's another story. But the issue here is, Neil, is that, you know, people who have elected representatives to say this is how we feel. Two-thirds of the Scottish people said, no, we don't want this legislation. What does the government do? It implements it anyway. Uh, mind you, I shouldn't say that it was partly due to the fact that the, the Greens Party in Scotland um, supported the government in this, in this respect. Neil, you and I both know Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, Male and female, he created them. Now, Neil, that is a fact, full stop, no argument. And what's happening here? Government's now turning back and trying to undermine our Christian ethos. And I just feel really offended by this sort of movement by government now. There's a deeper issue at play, Greg. And I'll get your thoughts here because you've been around the political traps for such a long time and uh, you've seen uh, governments come and go and you've been in a lobbying space. Uh, you've worked for uh, you know, high-level uh, politicians. I think you worked for uh, Prime Minister John Howard at one stage. Correct. But Correct. elected officials don't listen to the constituents when they are in office. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Because how do you make a politician listen to common sense because uh, when they're voted in and then they do exact opposite or they just go along blown around by any wind, um, certainly around the identity politics and uh, those sorts of challenging things that we're facing now. What do you do here, Greg? I mean, I'm just putting you on the spot. How do you make elected officials listen? Now, you've actually hit on a very vital point, because I remember when I was in Parliament, you know, working for a minister and working for John Howard, and, and we had a lot of policies in place, but one of the things I found difficult, Neil, as a Christian, was that sometimes I had to support my minister with policies or actions that I was totally opposed to as a Christian. So what do I do? Do I lose my job? Do I lose my credibility? Do I lose my um, my advisory capacity because I've, I've, I've taken the, the Christian view or do I try and stay in the middle road and, and say nothing? Politicians are in the same predicament. They fail to act according to their Christian conscience because they're worried about being not re-elected, are worried about the woke, the woke uh, brigade getting onto them, they're worried about, you know, the, the, the social media to, uh, you know, comments that they're going to get. So it's a real issue. But one of the things we've got to do is, and I mentioned to you this the last time, Neil, that we are actually running a how to lobby uh, course that uh, I'm going to ask anybody that wants to lobby their MPs to join us. But that's another story for another day, Neil. But what you've got to realise is that politicians 
do not always act according to their Christian conscience, which is a real shame. And uh, we do, in some sense, uh, want to be generous and gracious because if you find yourself in uh, a minister's office uh, and Mm. you have to do what you are told to do, you're going to give the benefit of the doubt because you recognise that that Christian person who is working in support roles in government may have aspiration that as they climb the ladder, that when they're calling the shots, they'll be able to help things go in a different direction. But because the people in Australia, and I'm just being general here because I know Mm. lots of our listeners vote according to their Christian conscience, but it would Mm. appear that most people with their Christianity intact think that Christianity is for church on Sunday. When it comes to casting my vote about the Mm. morality of the person I'm voting for, they don't vote according to their Christian conscience. So until there's a constituency that will vote according to a Christian conscience, um, we're going to see people doing absolutely the opposite to what we thought they would. Absolutely. No, no, I think you've just hit the nail on the head. Until we get to the stage where we as Christians vote according to our biblical worldview, nothing's going to change. One of the problems we've got now is, and I had a wonderful webinar last night on Christian education, And the point was made there is that unless we teach our children biblical values at an early age, we're going to run into problems that we're seeing now. And quite frankly, that's one of the reasons that homeschooling has become so popular, Neil, is because parents do not want the woke education given to them in public schools. They want to bring their children up to to, to have a biblical worldview and what we're going to do is if you've got that biblical worldview, you can go to, a, to, to an MP, you can go to your local representative and say, look, I'm a Christian, this is my worldview, can you act accordingly and make sure whenever you visit a politician, Neil, that you leave a footprint, leave something with them so they've got to do something in return for your visit. So, Neil, it's a hard, hard road, but quite frankly, we've got to continue to lobby our politicians according to our biblical worldview. And uh, ordinary Christians in ordinary communities, whether you're in the city, in the suburbs, in the regions, in the outback, Mm. uh, you've all got local members, uh, whether they be local council, uh, state members or federal parliamentarians who represent you, and uh, we've got to be able to learn how to have a voice. Uh, always wonderful getting your insights, Greg Bondar. And uh, just uh, note, a couple of weeks from now, uh, when we do our next little update, you're going to be with me in the studio. I'm looking forward to that, and uh, we'll spend a little extra time, and uh, we'll open our talkback lines and give listeners an opportunity to interact with you as well uh, just two weeks away from now. Greg Bondar's National Director of Christian Voice Australia. There is a Christian Voice Australia site, christianvoiceaustralia.blog. That's christianvoiceaustralia.blog. And uh, you'll find out about some of these webinars that you'll hear Greg talking about too. Greg, great update once again. Thanks so much for uh, for sharing these insights with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil, and bless you, brother. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.